0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Alley. Our guest this week is Iowa U.S. Senator Charles Grassley. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the Corn Farmers Coalition. Growing safe, abundant, and affordable food in a sustainable way. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley joins us next here on the AgriPulse Open Mic innovation, efficiency and productivity. For America's family farmers this is a reality born of commitment and necessity. Today farmers can plant up to 43% of the nation's corn crop, an area bigger than New York State, in a single day thanks to advances in machinery, management and technology. Growing safe, abundant, and affordable food in a sustainable way is a great American success story. To learn more, go to www.cornfarmerscoalition.org. Innovation is growing in the cornfields of America. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Iowa U.S. Senator Charles Grassley says the time is right for a bipartisan compromise to provide long term funding for the nation's highways. Grassley says the bill might also include some much-needed tax legislation. Senator Grassley supports the country of origin labeling law, but recognizes it is at a crossroad.
1: One of two things has to happen. One, we either have to have uh, write what we can consider a WTO-compliant rule so it's not challenged again, and be certain of that before we even vote on it, or else repeal. I'm going to try to get the first one. I'm working with Senator Hoven, Senator Thune, and me and a few others that are interested in doing something compliant. Uh, and uh, oh, Stabenow is a ranking Democrat, so we're working with her as well. Uh, what we think is a compliant piece of legislation that says kind of what Canada already does uh, that we can have voluntary labeling, uh, nothing mandatory, voluntary. If Canada has the same rule, you wouldn't think that they have guts enough to bring another WTO case against the United States. Now, one of two things, either the House accepts what the Senate does or it goes to conference between the House and Senate and iron out the differences at that point.
0: A few weeks ago, Canadian Agriculture Minister Jerry Ritz told me on this program that unless the Congress, the U.S. Congress, took action to fully repeal before the August break, they would work toward retaliation. Do you think the climate's changed, and is that a concern?
1: No, I think they're of the same point of view that they had, but I think it's uh, chutzpah, uh, and, uh and efforts to uh, make the situation as egregious as they can for us, Uh, trying to uh, more or less uh, uh, blackmail us into going along with what they want. Now, I've said if we can't get a compliant one, that's what I'm willing to do. But if we do what Canada does, have voluntary labeling, surely the minister of agriculture could not look me or any senator that believes that way in the face and say, you're going to sue us because we're doing have the same labeling law that you have.
0: Earlier this year, Senator Roberts shared that members of the Finance Committee were working to see what tax issues might be achievable for reform. Senator, what can you tell us of tax extenders' action in the Senate, and when would you anticipate that the recent vote might see the light of day in the full chamber?
1: Well, first of all, I think you brought up two issues. Tax reform which means rewriting the tax code, was something that we talked about in January. We had five uh, subcommittees working on it. We have come up with a report, but I don't think there's any chance that, that uh, those suggestions can get lost. So then you uh, bring up the other issue of tax extenders. Uh, there's 52 or 53 of them that were voted out of committee almost unanimously, and they could come up as an amendment uh, to the highway bill, which has some finance committee uh, items in it. It would be natural uh, to put these extenders on because a highway bill has to be signed by the president before we go home. And that would be one way of maybe getting some additional support uh, for uh, the the uh, highway bill. And, uh, and still get the extenders through so that we don't have the same thing happen on extenders like happened last year that, uh, they were brought up in June, not finished, put off till Christmas, and with just 20 some days in December, uh, to decide what you want to buy, like Section 179, where you get a half a million dollars expensing for depreciated property. Uh, you know, a lot of people could not make those uh, take advantage of those things. So, if we get it to the president yet for signature in August, uh, there'll be about five months for people to make some uh, economic decisions based on the tax code.
0: You were able to offer an amendment in committee that would change the benefit for biodiesel production and keep it domestic.
1: Yeah, uh, under present law, where we have what we call a blender's credit as opposed to a producer's credit. With the blender's credit, we, uh, we're giving the tax incentive and the tax deduction uh, to imported biodiesel. We shouldn't expect the taxpayers of the United States to subsidize foreign production of biodiesel. So when you have it applied at the producer's level, then it's just going to apply to domestically produced biodiesel so that we don't waste the taxpayers' money and we give maximum support to our domestic industry.
0: There were thoughts that this tax extenders was to be made permanent. This is, as I understand, a two-year extension. Is it a worthy compromise?
1: Yes, very worthy. Nothing would be better than if some of these were made permanent. The houses passed, like the R&D tax credit, the 179 section, uh, tax credit uh, as an example of a couple things that they make permanent. But the House of Representatives uh, operates where they can bring up a single bill and keep it from being amended and get a single bill passed. If we brought up just, uh, let's say, the R&D tax credit uh, to make it permanent, every other one of these 52 extenders would soon be amended to it because the rules of the Senate allow open debate and open amendment.
0: The Congress passed an energy law, and the Environmental Protection Agency is offering their volumetric uh, suggestions under the Renewable Fuel Standard. And, Senator, their numbers are less than what the Congress approved, three and three-quarter billion gallons less with regard to ethanol. What are your thoughts toward the EPA's announcement, and do they have the authority to amend the law?
1: I don't think they have the authority to do by regulation what they do. They aren't, re- really aren't amending the law, but they're issuing a regulation to cut back what we have. They say they have the power. They probably got a, uh, a general counsel in their department that says they can, but there's a lot of people that are going to take this to court and challenge it. Uh, I don't know if those cases have been filed yet, but, uh, they've moved ahead and what do I think of it? It's very damaging, uh, to E-15. Not so damaging to E10, but E15 will never get an infrastructure to distribute E15, uh, if we don't have the investment and you won't get the investment. Well, you've got to have the separate pumps as an example. So, uh, when, when that's the situation and they, uh, don't uh, allow the full force of the law to go into effect, then you have a cutback on that investment. And it's more difficult to get E15. And if you don't go to E15, uh, you don't have enough uh, petroleum gasoline uh, to mix uh, the ethanol with. Uh, so it hurts ethanol more than it hurts biodiesel. Maybe for the present year, biodiesel is just about what they can produce. But for the years 16 and 17, they can produce a lot more and it isn't required that it be used. So consequently, that's why about 36 of us wrote a letter to EPA and said you better reconsider for biodiesel for the years 16 and 17, because biodiesel is only mixed at about a 2 or 3% average, and you can mix it up to 5% in most trucks very easily uh, and get both environmental and uh, other benefits from it. So we need to produce as much biodiesel as we can and they're inhibiting that by their standards that they've set for 16 and 70.
0: the environmental protection agency has offered their new rules under the clean water law what was known as the wotus proposal uh, that is set to take effect on the 28th of august uh, senator do you anticipate action in in the congress in these last few days before the break or after the august break on their clean water rule or wotus rule
1: yeah, now it will be after the August break, but I can tell you what's developing here. Uh, ideally, you'd change the law so that they couldn't even issue that regulation, but we'd never get that by the president. So we're doing the next best thing, and the House and Senate Appropriations Committees have already done this. Put a writer on the EPA, uh, Interior, and the Corps of Engineers appropriation bills saying none of the money in this appropriation bill can be used to carry out Waters U.S., That negates it, assuming we get it by the president.
0: The highway bill in the House looks for a short-term extension into mid-December. In the Senate, there is discussion of a six-year plan. What happens in the last days of this Congress? What happens if the Senate's long-range plan doesn't come together? Is there room for compromise?
1: Probably not. It'll probably be one or the other. But let me tell you what the thinking is by the leadership of the Senate. And that includes not only Republican leadership, but uh, Senator Stabenow, uh Senator uh Schumer, uh and Senator Boxer. That's kind of an odd combination uh, between those three Democrats and the Republicans that are working on this issue. But it's a it's a pretty uh strong bipartisan group that's working to get a three, four, five year a highway bill through. it more apt to be a three-year bill than a five-year bill, but anything's better than the 34 short-term extensions we've had in the last six or seven years. Uh, some of them have only been three-month extensions, as an example. You can't plan if you're building highways. Uh, the states can't plan, and, and uh, people that are heavy road construction uh, companies uh, aren't going to spend millions of dollars to buy equipment if they don't have the long-term view so, consequently, uh, the plan in the Senate is, with this bipartisan support, to move very quickly to get a three-, four-, five-year bill passed. And maybe with these extenders on it, we'll give it more oomph. Uh, I mean, just think of the of the chambers of commerce, uh, the state uh, departments of transportation, uh, all of the contractors, uh, and even the uh, the consumers represented by the American uh, Automobile Association as just another example. There's probably a lot of other organizations. When you get up to the deadline of August the 2nd and we're taking off from um, uh, three or four weeks for summer break, uh, they'll get a lot of pressure in the House of Representatives to go along with what the Senate's doing. Uh, and that's what we're hoping for. Uh, now we could miscalculate and maybe on a miscalculation then You get the Senate to buy into the six-month extension uh, that the House uh, is proposing. But what House Republican leaders need to understand is you don't get this cooperation between Democrats and Republicans in the Senate very often. And for something that's so obvious that we need a long-term highway bill... Surely House Republicans aren't going to miss this opportunity for this Republican Democrat cooperation to get a long-term bill passed. Because if we pass a six-month bill and get back here in January in an election year, maybe that bipartisan cooperation in the United States Senate will fall apart and we'll have another six-month extension, uh, you know, into, uh, 2016. Uh, and you, and you miss the opportunity that doesn't come very often in the United States Senate.
0: Senator, when you come back from the August break, you'll have a limited time until the end of the fiscal year. And while there has been progress in appropriations and on on areas of budget, the heavy lifting is still left to do. How do yeah. you see the how do you see well, that this playing out?
1: For the first time in 6 years, both appropriation committees of the House and Senate have put out all 12 bills that hasn't happened in six years the democrats running the united states senate have always wanted to have uh... continuing resolutions and just one great big appropriation bill at the end of the year Now we have a republican majority but we only have fifty four it takes sixty votes to get anything done in the united states senate the democrats even though they're in the minority now are still of that same frame of mind they want to uh, push, uh, they want to force Republicans, and they have the power to do it if they don't cooperate with us on individual appropriation bills, they want to force us into that same end of the fiscal year uh, giant compromise that you end up with one bill. It's a shame that they're doing that, but they may get done with it. So that's one of the big things that's going to happen in September.
0: Even influenza was devastating for your state and for some others in the country Secretary Vilsack testifying before the House Agriculture Committee that they're working on a vaccine, but also preparing for what could be another difficult round of avon influenza in the poultry industry. What are your thoughts toward the federal government and, and preparation for what could be?
1: Two things for Congress. Number one is money f- to complete the vaccine, if that's possible. Then that may be a, a solution. Uh, number two, the consideration of an insurance program like we have for grain, as an example, for uh, cover avian flu, and then number three is outside of the Congress. But if we have another outbreak, both the industry and the government has ha- learned a lot from this first outbreak, uh, and we've got to be uh, we've got to have better biosecurity at each farm if we're going to f- prevent the spread. And there's been a lot learned by both the farmers as well as the uh, Department of Agriculture on certain precautions that need to be taken, but uh, better biosecurity is the only thing that you can point to right now that's going to uh, prevent another massive outbreak. You could have an outbreak, but the point of biosecurity is to contain that outbreak in one house at a time. Instead of the lack of biosecurity, as uh, farmers and other people spreading it from one house to another house and from one farm to another farm.
0: The Trans-Pacific Partnership, perhaps the, uh, the final negotiations of the Trans-Pacific Partnership are upon us. If you were offering uh, suggestions for the trade representatives uh, and those who are working, what should the final TPP deal include that gives it a better chance to pass in this Congress?
1: I think, uh, one, uh, dairy in, in regard to Canada and in regard to uh, Japan, their acceptance and phase-out of tariffs on pork.
0: Senator Grassley, we want to thank you for spending time with us here on Open Mic. It is an Open Mic, sir, and the audience is yours.
1: Well, uh, I just want to encourage people in any state that they have. Now, I can only talk about Iowa, but I'm going to hold, I think, 25 town meetings in 25 different counties uh, during the month of, of August, when we're home, uh, come to your town meetings. Now, I don't know how senators do it in other states, but if senators in other states hold town meetings like I do, uh, go to your town meetings and express your views. That's the best way to communicate. It's not the only way. You can use email, postal mail, telephone, all that stuff. But uh, it's best to see your senator and Congressman face-to-face.
0: Our thanks to this week's guest, Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. AgriPulse Open Bike is brought to you by the Corn Farmers Coalition, growing safe, abundant, and affordable food in a sustainable way. To learn more, visit www.cornfarmerscoalition.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.